When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. I have some breaking news here that I thought you guys might be interested in. It comes from thepostmillennial.com. It says, Breaking news. Project Veritas exposes Ilhan Omar-connected Cash for Votes ballot harvesting scheme. James O'Keefe's Project Veritas on Sunday exposed how mass voter fraud takes place in Minneapolis, which has helped Democrat Representative Ilhan Omar defeat her many opponents. The bombshell video was done with the aid of insider Omar Jamal, who revealed mass voter fraud and shared with Project Veritas investigators the details of the sophisticated planning that goes behind the pay-for-votes scheme. The video features Liban Mohammed, an Omar-connected ballot harvester, boasting about the number of absentee ballots in his car. He was recorded as saying, numbers don't lie, numbers don't lie. You can see my car is full. All these here are absentees ballots. Can't you see? Look at all these. My car is full. All these are for Jamal Osman. Look, we got 300 today for Jamal Osman only. Under Minnesota law, a person other than the voter cannot have more than three absentee ballots in his possession for others. The investigation discovered three locations inside of Ward 6, the ballot harvesting triangle, where Omar's campaigners performed their illegal ballot harvesting operation. The Riverside Plaza Apartments, the Seniors Community at Horn Towers, and the Minneapolis Election and Voter Services Office on East Hennepin Avenue, which serves as a voting and drop-off location. Speaking to Project Veritas, Hennepin County Attorney Jeff Wachishowski, I know I botched that name, but who cares, he told a journalist who recorded the conversation that the ballot harvesting was being conducted and was illegal and that they would be investigating. O'Keefe's documentary presents witnesses who admit on camera that absentee ballots are being filled by, quote, people who work for Representative Ilhan Omar, unquote. It's illegal, folks, and it's happening. And no one is really doing a damned thing about it. And if that's in only one city, Minneapolis, imagine the machine that is producing illegal absentee ballots, invalid mail-in voting, and other illegal elections activities for 
the Democrat candidates. It's happening, folks, and we are virtually powerless to do a damned thing about it. Welcome to the Socialist States of America. You have entered the No BS Zone. This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. I'd like to take about four and a half minutes more of your time to tell you that Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary for President Trump in the White House, kicks serious ass. I'm going to turn the microphone over and let you guys hear four minutes and 22 seconds of what I consider to be one hell of a kick-ass interview in the White House press room. Take a listen. And finally, before getting started, I wanted to note that the president, as you all are well aware, donates his salary to various initiative and parts across the federal government. Um, And this quarter, he will be donating his salary to HHS, Health and Human Services, to develop new therapies for treating and preventing COVID-19 so that we can safely reopen. Uh, Here's the check amounted to $100,000 that will go directly from President Trump and his paycheck that he does not take, but rather donates it to various noble initiatives, including um, in honor of COVID this time and those who have passed and the studies underway, he'll be donating it to HHS. And with that, I will take questions from you all. Does the White House now support these churches that are defying governor's orders and opening up? The president's been very clear. He wants churches to reopen. He wants them to do it safely. He wants them to do it in accordance with our guidance. It's laid out very detailed. Um, It's posted now, so you can all take a look through it. And he wants to see all of those churches open in a safe fashion. The governor does not allow that. Does the White House support churches defying these executive orders? The president's been very clear. He wants to see churches reopen in accordance with his guidelines. The answer is yes. I just gave you an answer. The president would like churches to reopen and do it in accordance with the guidelines. What provision of federal law allows the president to override a governor? The president will strongly encourage every governor to allow their churches to reopen. And boy, it's interesting. Interesting to be in a room that desperately wants to seem to see these churches and houses of worship stay closed. The president. Thanks, Switch Gears. Asking about President Obama. Uh, we had a. Uh, does the president. Would, we had an interesting article from Joel Pollitt this morning. And I would like to ask you if the president has considered pardoning President Obama for illegally wiretapping on Trump Towers, illegally spying on U.S. citizens, and other potential. Co- potential crimes out there. Has he considered that? So I have not spoken to the president about that, um, but who I did speak to about President Obama and unmasking Michael Flynn were the men and women in this room. Um, I haven't spoken to him on that specific point, have spoken to him about the matter generally, and I laid out a series of questions that any good journalist would want to answer about why people were unmasked um, and, and all sorts of questions. And I just wanted to follow up with you guys on that, did anyone take it upon themselves to pose any questions about Michael Flynn and un- unmasking the President Obama's spokesperson? Oh, not a single journalist has posed that question. Okay. So I would like to lay out a series of questions, and perhaps if I write them out in a slide format, maybe we're visual learners and you guys will follow up with journalistic curiosity. So number one, why did the Obama administration use opposition, opposition research funded by a political organization and filled with foreign dirt to surveil members of the Trump campaign? Number two, why was Lieutenant General Michael Flynn unmasked 
not by the intel community entirely, but by Obama's chief of staff, by the former vice president, Joe Biden, by Susan Rice, by the Treasury Secretary. I mean, this is extraordinary. And, you know, if it were political appointees in the Trump administration, I can guarantee you I'd have questions in my inbox right now. But apparently Obama's spokesperson does not. Why was Flynn's identity leaked in a criminal act? It is a criminal act to leak the identity of Michael Flynn to the press, but it happened. Where are the questions to Obama's spokesperson? Because my team would be running around this building should this have happened under the Trump administration. Why did the DOJ, Sally Yates, learn about the unmasking from President Obama? So much for going by the book, as Susan Rice said three times. Thou doth protest too much, Susan Rice. And then finally, question number five. Why did James Clapper, John Brennan, Samantha Power, and Susan Rice privately admit under oath they had no evidence of collusion while saying the opposite publicly? It's a long weekend. You guys have three days to follow up on those questions, and I certainly hope the next time I ask, some hands go up because Obama's spokesperson should be asked those questions because President Trump's spokespeople certainly would be. And there you have it, boys and girls. There is Kaylee McEnany, in my opinion, a kick-ass White House press secretary with some very poignant questions asked to the press corps at the White House. And of course, they have no answers other than, such a shame. This is the Truth Hurts program, and we'll be back right after this. Telling you the truth without all the BS. This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. On a previous episode of the Truth Hurts program, I mentioned my slight distrust for journalists all, whether they be on Fox, CBS, NBC, or MSNBC. And speaking of MSNBC, its 36 listeners and viewers will be pleased to know that former Fox alum Shepard Smith will be landing on the MSNBC Finance Network in just a few short weeks. He'll be working out of a new studio that's been built for him at CNBC's New Jersey headquarters by three crews that have kept construction going 24 hours a day over the past eight weeks. Shepard Smith left more questions than answers when he left Fox, leaving others to speculate why. Many people have speculated it was simply because they would not return him to his favorite time slot and at a network where opinion is king and he sometimes challenged statements by the primetime hosts, Shepard just didn't fit in anymore. Now he didn't smash all the windows and trash the doors on his way out. He says, I built a career at Fox News and I have some deep friendships, ones I'm gonna keep forever. But simply, I just felt like it was the right time to leave. I asked him if I could and they eventually let me out of my contract. Fox, the business model, is working very well for them, Shepard Smith said. Their opinion people state their opinions, and they draw big audiences, and I have no problem with that. He left Fox two weeks after an ugly incident with Tucker Carlson, who brought on a guest who said Fox's Andrew Napolitano was a fool for analysis that he offered on Smith's show. Smith said on air that Carlson's attack was repugnant. I guess on a network where news and opinion are key, some people's opinions are not welcome. Shepard Smith, a boy from Mississippi, says he enjoyed the downtime over the past almost year 
and he was courted by plenty of media suitors. Every few years when Smith approached the end of a contract, CNBC chairman Mark Hoffman would check in with Smith's agent, Larry Kramer, in a nearly empty Manhattan restaurant, and this time, he didn't say no. I wasn't a big fan of Smith. I always thought he looked like a backwoods thug, but that's just my personal opinion. Good luck, Shepard Smith. Maybe you'll be able to raise CNBC's viewership audience from 39 to, oh, what, 43, 44 people? Yeah, good luck with that. That Steve Z is one sexy man. It is the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. After weeks of protesting, riots, looting, arson, and assault in Louisville, Kentucky, the Breonna Taylor facts have been revealed. According to Daniel Cameron, the African-American Kentucky Attorney General, quote, evidence shows that officers both knocked and announced their presence at the apartment. This has been corroborated by independent witnesses. In other words, the warrant was not served as a no-knock warrant, as previously reported by the liberal mainstream BLM supporting media. When officers were unable to get anyone to answer or open the door, the decision was made to breach the door. After breaching the door, Sergeant Mattingly identified two individuals standing at the end of a hall, a male and a female. In his statement, he says that the male was holding a gun, arms extended in a shooting stance. Sergeant Mattingly saw the man's gun fire, heard a boom, and immediately knew that he, the officer, had been shot. Mr. Walker, Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, admitted that he was the first one to shoot. Sergeant Mattingly returned fire down the hallway. Mattingly fired six shots. Almost simultaneously, Detective Cosgrove shot 16 times. In total, six bullets struck Miss Taylor. Our investigation shows, and the grand jury agreed, that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in their return of deadly fire after having been fired upon by Mr. Walker, the thug criminal. Our reaction to the truth today says what kind of society we want to be. Do we really want the truth? Or do we want a truth that fits our narrative? Do we want the facts? Or are we content to blindly accept our own version of events? We as a community must make this decision. A very intelligent, well-spoken statement by the black attorney general. But Steve, why do you have to mention that he's black? Why? Because everyone wants to bring up black when it's convenient or supports a certain narrative. But no one wants to bring up the fact that this man is black when he is supporting the police. It does not fit their narrative. He's too cheap to hire a real voice talent to perform his breaks. Steve Z, a thrifty guy telling it like it is. According to the Washington Times, a new Senate report reveals shocking corruption involving none other than Hunter Biden. And you know something's up when the media buries a story that would have been a no-brainer for page one if it were, let's say, one of Donald Trump's kids. 
A new Senate report exposes shocking corruption involving Hunter Biden, who made millions of dollars in the Ukraine at that natural gas company Burisma Holdings, while his papa, Vice President Gropey Joe Biden, was President Obama's Ukraine point man. We've long known some of this, but the sheer scope of the influence peddling and the sums of money involved are staggering. An 87-page document also exposes Hunter Biden's Russian connections, including a $3.5 million payment to Hunter Biden from the wife of a former Moscow city mayor embroiled in scandal, including prostitution, among other things. A section on China in this 87-page report details a web of lucrative ties between Hunter Biden's firms and companies controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. It also documents many trips that Hunter Biden took to China with taxpayer-paid Secret Service protection, and not only to China, but to dozens of other companies. The deals involve millions of dollars and at least one contract involving China's acquisition of an American firm that makes sensitive military technology. And not to mention, Hunter Biden paid non-resident women who were nationals of Russia and other Eastern European countries and who are appearing to be linked to an Eastern European human trafficking and prostitution ring. There's nothing to see here, folks. We, nothing, nothing at all. Move along, move along. Let's talk about Trump's taxes. In a Democratic rebuttal, Senator Gary Peters of Michigan and Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon ignored this wealth of documentation, and they charged that the report is, quote, based on conspiracy theories with roots in Russian disinformation, unquote. This is even before it was released. The Democrats back in July attacked the report before it was released, calling it purely partisan. Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, he's the chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, along with Chuck Grassley of Iowa, chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, said that if the Democrats are going to point a finger, it should be pointing at the mirror. The Democrats' July 14th letter relied on foreign disinformation to create false and harmful innuendo about the chairman's oversight work. Many of the allegations doc, uh, Democrats have made against Republicans reflect the very patterns of behavior that the Democrats themselves have engaged in. It's just like the fake Russian collusion hoax where the Democrats themselves paid for the phony steel dossier full of Russian disinformation which led to the FBI spying illegally on the Trump campaign. In January and February back of 2017, the FBI was told that much of the dossier came from Russian sources, and yet the collusion narrative lost steam only after the Mueller report in April of 2019. And then you might recall the Democrats made up hysteria over the phone call Mr. Trump made to Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky. They actually impeached Donald Trump while ignoring the actual massive Biden Ukrainian corruption that did occur and Biden bragged about. It's clear this report terrifies these folks. The Washington Post, for instance, wrote very little about it, buried it way deep inside, and focused not on the findings, but on Democrat talking points. 
document unveils a 10-year record of corruption with possibly actionable criminality and a cover-up at the highest levels of government during the Obama administration with gropey Joe Biden as vice president. Here are a few of the findings. Hunter Biden and his business partner, Devin Archer, joined the board of Burisma Holdings in 2014 while his papa was the vice president under Barack Hussein Obama. Hunter was paid $50,000 a month, although he had zero experience in natural gas or energy for that matter in any form. And it's funny because gropey Joe Biden wants to eliminate uh, natural gas and oil and yet his son was making 50k a month on the board of directors of a gas company in the Ukraine. Hunter and Mr. Archer, who had met with Vice President Biden at the White House just before Mr. Biden went to the Ukraine on a diplomatic mission, both made millions of dollars from the deal. Hunter was on Burisma's board when the firm owner allegedly paid a $7 million bribe to shut a corruption case against him. In 2016, Ukraine prosecutor Viktor Shokin had another active investigation going into Burisma and according to news reports, then Vice President Gropey Joe Biden, quote, threatened to withhold $1 billion in U.S. dollars of loan guarantees if Ukraine's leaders did not dismiss Shokin, the prosecutor who was looking into Hunter Biden's illegal, questionable dealings, unquote. After that, Ukraine's parliament fired the prosecutor, Shokin. And then, remember, there's a video that everybody either has seen or should see. Mr. Biden boasts at a Council on Foreign Relations gathering in 2018 that as vice president, he shook down the Ukrainian leaders. He said, quote, I said, you're not getting the billion. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch, <laughs> he got fired and the room erupted in laughter. In China, Hunter Biden had business associations with several Chinese nationals linked to the communist government and the People's Liberation Army, and those also resulted in millions of dollars in cash flow to little Hunter Biden. Hunter opened a bank account with Gongwen Dong to fund a $100,000 spending spree with his uncle and his aunt, James and Sarah Biden, who also received a $1.4 million payment from Hunter Biden's firm. Henegis, an American maker of anti-vibration technologies with military applications, was turned over in 2015 to two Chinese companies with ties to the communist government. One of the companies was a billion-dollar investment fund, Bohai Harvest, which trades as BHR, and it was formed in 2013 by a merger of Bohai Capital and Rosemount Seneca Partners. The latter firm was founded in 2009, Rosemount Seneca Partners, by Hunter Biden, Chris Hines, the stepson of then Secretary of State John Kerry. You got to see this for what it is, folks. And they impeached Trump because he made a phone call to the president of the Ukraine 
telling him you might want to look into the illegal dealings in your own country? Just saying? Hunter Biden, what a guy. His brother dies, so he goes over and plays house with his brother's widow, gets her knocked up, and has a kid by his brother's widow. Now that is trailer trash to the nth degree. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Some programs feed you liberal propaganda. You won't find that here. This is the Truth Hurts, where we tell it like it is. Political commentator Mark Levin asks, Will Joe Biden accept the results of the election? Why does he have 600 ambulance-chasing lawyers ready to sue? Why is he being told not to concede by the likes of Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi and Chuckles Schumer? Why is his party suing in battleground states to change election laws at the last minute and extend voting beyond election day? Why didn't his party accept the 2016 election results? Why does his party impeach the president for no reason? And as for the peaceful transition of power? Peaceful? Why the hell are all of his voters rioting? Do his supporters want a peaceful transition of power? And why do his supporters keep threatening violence if Trump wins? Just a few questions I thought I would mention. Now, in nations where communism and socialism is the way to go, let me just briefly tell you a few facts, some statistics about the taxes people pay in Europe for their free stuff. In Germany, the income tax is 47.4%. The sales tax is 19%. And gasoline is $6.04 a gallon. In England, 47% income tax, 20% sales tax, 610 per gallon. In Italy, 45.8% income tax, 22% sales tax. They call it a value-added tax. And $6.84 per gallon for gasoline. And let's talk about Greece briefly. 65% income tax, 24% sales tax, $6.83 per gallon for gasoline. Wow, comma, just wow. And really quickly, listen how this MSNBC anchor has to actually give Joe Biden the answer to the question she asked him because he was so lost, he was incapable of answering the question himself. Take a listen. For example, the Paycheck Protection Act. You know, 1% of the money's gone out. 1%. 1% of the... Uh, no, no, that's not the paycheck. The... the, the um, uh, the uh, ahead, the bill for small for major for Main small Street businesses. Mainstream lending. Mainstream lending. One percent's gone out. For example, the Paycheck yeah, yeah, Protection. One percent's gone out. So the, no, not the not the Paycheck Protection Act. And she says the Mainstream Lending Act. Tell me once again how Joe Biden is prepared to lead a nation when he can't even read his own teleprompter 
when it regards money or acts or laws. And they want this guy to be your president. Well, for at least the first few weeks till they can finally get rid of him and put Kamala Harris in the White House. And this in from NBC News, California will house transgender inmates by their gender identity. The state can deny inmate requests if it has, quote, management or security concerns, unquote. Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law Saturday a new law requiring California to house transgender inmates in prisons based on their gender identity, but only if the state does not have management or security concerns. The Cal Department of Corrections and Rehab houses men and women in separate facilities. Transgender inmates are often housed based on the sex assigned at birth. You know, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Advocates say this is dangerous, particularly for transgender women housed in facilities usually held for men. The law Newsom signed on Saturday says officers must ask inmates privately during the intake process if they identify as transgender, non-binary, or intersex. Those inmates can then request to be placed in a facility that houses either men or women based on what they identify as. The law says the Cal Department of Corrections and Rehab cannot deny requests solely because inmates' anatomy, sexual orientation, or a factor present amongst other inmates at the facility. But the state can deny those requests if it has management or security concerns. If a request is denied, the state must give the inmate written statements explaining the decision and then give the inmate a meaningful opportunity to object. Senator Scott Weiner, a Democrat from San Francisco who authored the bill, says he does not expect the exception to be used very often. Weiner says it's just a false narrative about transgender people and about transgender women in particular that they're somehow not really women and are just trying to scam their way into women's bathrooms or facilities in order to do bad things. Overwhelmingly, the people who are being victimized are trans people. At any time, if inmates raise concerns about their health or safety, the law says the state must reassess where they are housed. Michelle Calvin, a transgender woman, you mean a dude that says he's a woman, she says, he says, it says, let's say it says, it says, it means a lot to me and my sisters. It, Calvin, identifies as a transgender woman and is incarcerated at the, you ready for this? This is rich. Mule Creek State Prison, who recently called in to a news conference about the bill. I have been in for 15 years. I have been through the abuse. I have been through the disrespect of a staff not addressing me for who I am because I am a woman with a penis. Now, I laughed about the name Mule Creek because if you think about it, when you take a horse and mate it with a donkey, you get a mule, a non-gendered, really weird combination animal. Connecticut, by the way, passed a similar law back in 2018. Rhode Island, New York City, and Massachusetts also have housed inmates based on their gender identity. The law requires officers to address transgender inmates 
based on the pronouns of their choice. It requires officers to search inmates based on the search policy of their gender identity. Well, that's going to do it for this Monday afternoon edition of the Truth Hurts program. I'm looking forward to, if they hold the debate tomorrow night, giving you my pre-debate analysis as well as looking forward to Wednesday when I can give you my post-debate analysis. It's going to be fun, folks. So enjoy what's left of today, and we'll see you next time on the Truth Hurts program. Hello everyone, this is Sam from Sam Street Services. Has someone graffitied your street with some offensive letters or slogans? Do you have a large offensive phrase painted on the road in front of your white house or your hotel? Have people painted stupidity on the brick wall of your Graceland? Give us a call. We can provide you with clean street, a blank canvas, or even some other less savory solutions for your tagging problem. We've spilled large amounts of paint on the streets in front of several movements. And we've also spilled porta potty blue juice and fecal spray on tagged roadways nationwide. We've whitewashed over nasty hate messages in places from the hood to Hollywood. So give us a call at Sam's Street Services. We just emptied out 212 portable toilets from the San Antonio Hellfire Chili Cook-Off, and we're just itching to dump that black and blue liquid on some protest-painted street near you. It won't smell too good, but neither does the BM that caused that painting in the first place. Sam's Street Services. Find us on the dark web. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020 Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time.